Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. This is episode 7. My name is CY, and you can find me at tokyostationpens.com or at tokyostationpens on Instagram. And my name is Jacob, and I'm Fudafan on Instagram, and I have a blog at fudafan.com. Okay. So before we start this podcast,、uh, this isn't a politics podcast, so we don't want to spend the next hour talking about it. But we want to recognize and acknowledge that many people are hurting from what's happening around the world globally. We, the hosts of this podcast, have a very simple stance racism is wrong, police brutality is wrong, and there's no exceptions to that. And、um, that being said, Jacob, how have,、uh, have things been going for you? Okay, <laughs> that's an interesting segue.、Um, <laughs> So things are good here. So, as you know, we, we met up yesterday. As things are opening up here. We can talk more about that in a moment.、Uh, I have been shopping as I usually do. Let me get right into that actually. So, I have been on Yahoo Auctions. I found a Sailor Prophet. Yeah, I, I think it's a Sailor、mm-hmm. Prophet with an 18K nib.、Mm. Um, in, a good, mm-hmm. in a good condition with one of those old style engravings for a fantastic price. And the reason why I was interested in that one is that Sailor doesn't make these 18K nibs anymore, right? At least, at、mm-hmm. least you cannot buy a Sailor branded pen with these nibs. So I'm not、yes. sure what's up with that, but you can get a Montegrappa or a Cross or a Davidoff. With an 18K nib.、Mm-hmm. So, so Sailor makes nibs for, the, for them,、yes. but you cannot buy a Sailor branded, nib, branded pen today with an 18K nib, right? I'm not、yes. sure when they stopped or why they stopped, but、uh, at least I remember that up until fairly recently you could get these YY Pen Club pens with 18K nibs. But the, the, the standard Sailor line, that was a while ago, I think. So I was a bit curious about these nibs. I wanted to try them for myself. And,、um, As I did some research on this pen and this nib, I found one of those、uh, cryptic Japanese blogs where they post about this、uh, pen and this nib. And the author claimed that these nibs are actually more flexible, or in Japanese terms, more shinaru, than modern 21K、mm-hmm. nibs. But the reasoning was very interesting because he said it's because of the engraving. <laughs> So, his argument、mm-hmm. was that this old style engraving with this you know, this,、uh, arch over the 1911 mark somehow、right. makes the nib more bouncy. I'm not sure if there's any truth to that whatsoever. My material science knowledge is limited、um, to the least, <laughs> but at least it was an interesting theory、um, and something I hadn't heard before. So, you're more into.、Um, Nibs, and you have more experience with that. But what would you say about that theory?、Um, I think that that theory is、uh, it, 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 it's a bit rubbish because you have also 14K and 21K nibs in the same、mm. engravings. And、uh, we know that the 14K, you got one with the music、yeah. nib as well, didn't you?、Uh, those are not any softer. Those, those are still stiff, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Right. So, if anything, those nibs are even、yeah. stiffer than what we have now. Even the 14K versus 14K, if we stay within the same carats, those are even stiffer than the 14Ks that,、uh, that Sailor are putting out now. So, I seriously、mm. doubt those claims.、Um, I don't think they hold water. What I think is much more likely is that Sailor,、um, throughout their various iterations of nib making, have been changing the、mm. types of alloys that they've used. So, 
when uh, actually Sailor was the first, um, let's say, of the modern big three, Sailor was the first uh, company, the first manufacturer to be established uh, in 1911. So they're a bit, uh, they're a few years older than Platinum or Pilot, and um, back in the day, everybody made 14k nibs. Uh, the only reason why you would make an 18 carat nib is if you were selling to the French-speaking and uh, Benelux countries because legally speaking, in those countries, you couldn't market something as gold unless it was at least 18K. Ah, right. I remember hearing about that, yeah. So, yeah, so that's why, um, for example, on Mont Blanc, you see that um, in the same era, 149s were made in both 14K and 18K, but the 18K we know are for mm. the French market. Same as Wall Eversharps, actually, US uh, companies as well. I have a adjustable 18-carat nib from Wall Eversharp that was uh, marketed to the French-speaking countries. So the the history of, of the nibs is that kind of the, everybody started with mm. the 14-carat. But as, uh, I think, post-war... Um, as these companies grew and evolved, uh, there was this kind of race to try to put as much carrots, or, or rather um, to increase the purity of the gold in the nibs as much as possible. And I think for these companies, it was, uh, it was let's say, more feasible because Pilot, uh, Sailor, Platinum, they were all dabbling back then in these uh, right, right. More like thumbnail nibs or what they call yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, so um, I think those were the first ones in Japan, at least, to sport. Let's say like eighteen uh, mm. k nibs, uh, and then you gradually had twenty one k nibs. It wasn't just Sailor back then, um, and then you had even twenty two k nibs. And I know of a Danitrio, mm. I believe, that has a twenty four carat nib. Yeah, I know that this is something that Sanamisan wrote about in his his book about the the, the fountain yes. pens and our good friend uh, Bruno has also written about this on his blog, you know, Estilographicas uh, about this uh, j- at least in Japan the, these these gold wars how they one up each other with with higher gold concentration. Yeah. yeah. And um so the so Danitros are mm. not made in Japan. Um, and so they're very, usually very, um, forthright with this, you know, they're not made in Japan. I think this, uh, this pen, mm. the Yokozuna is the only Danitro nib that had a Japanese made, um, nib. And that is a 24 carat, which is 100% gold. So in the case of the 18 carat nib, um, I believe Sailor, as I, I mentioned earlier, they've went through various iterations mm. of alloys to to test and experiment with different alloys uh, in order to, let's say, make their manufacturing more profitable. And we also know that, for example, Sailor has, uh, as we spoke last time, bought these, um, these gold bars right. from Picte. Right, so those will have um, a different alloy than to uh, to whatever they're making. They've made in the past the eighteen k, the fourteen k, the, the S nibs and the, uh, the H nibs will will have had mm. different alloys, 
And now with the 21 uh, karat gold standard nibs, we'll have a different alloy. And you are you usually say that, you know, from a nib grinder's perspective, you tend to prefer the 14K one over the, the ones with higher gold concentration because they're easier to, to modify, right? Especially if you want to do something like cutouts or faceless mods and something like that, right? Well, particularly if you're going to grind away at mm. the material of the nib itself, I think... Um, and I think it's it's uh, let's say commonly accepted that 14 karat uh, is let's say a mm. good balance between gold and alloy. Right. And uh, as far as I know, most people only if they're trying to flexify gold, they only work with uh, 14 karat um, mm. nibs because uh, we we understand how it would react. That doesn't mean, however, that every brand's 14 karat nib can be suitable for mm. flexifying. Uh, and I found that Mont Blanc in particular uh, is not very suitable for flexifying in terms of their alloy. Uh, platinum as well is not very good for flexifying. But Pilot, their alloy that they use is, is quite soft and therefore it's very easy to, to play with and it has quite a nice snapback even if you do remove some of the thickness of the material mm. but if we're talking about just grinding the tipping then the carrot doesn't really matter so much it's more about the tipping material and uh, again i think pilot's tipping material is is very good um i heard on the leaky nib um when they interviewed uh gina from custom nib studio when she went to pilot to their factories that they were making even their own tipping material oh really yeah whereas some other companies uh, or manufacturers they buy tipping material so i thought that was really interesting um and you can tell if you've ground let's say pilot nibs versus platinum nibs. you can i think uh in my experience the platinum tipping is clearly much softer i've heard that too from nib grinders yep. yeah that, that, that the general prefer to working with pilot nibs so that that yep. seems to be a common opinion i know that some uh, grinders in the states really like to work with sailor tipping mm. uh sailor tipping is pretty decent as well um i'd say yeah sailor and pilot mm. have really good tipping um, Mont Blanc has good tipping, but they're quite special in the sense that they do that upturn style mm. nib, whereas I've had some issues with Pelican and, uh, mm. and Platinum. So, so going back to this Sailor nib, one thing I have enjoyed recently, and I'm probably partially influenced by you, I've been enjoying buying these um, sort of old rusty pens with full of functioning nibs in good condition and then I, I take those nibs and stick it on another pen so as i think you mentioned previously on this podcast these smaller sailor gold nibs fit more or less perfectly on a pen that takes number five nibs and the larger ones are uh, as i did this time i took i took this 18k nib and I stuck it on a pen that uh, takes uh, Jovo number six size nibs, and I didn't need to do an adapter or anything else. It just it just worked. Correct. Correct. It just works. And um, and the Sailor nibs are a bit longer than Platinum nibs. Platinum nibs uh, tend to be a little bit loose in the Yo six housings, but Sailor's just just works. But aren't the Platinum nibs also a little bit more flat? Yes, they're a bit more flat, but. Um, I haven't found that to be too much of an issue. Uh, honestly, I think 
the the sailor nibs are more as you say adapted to mm. the the curvature of the yovo um feed but with the platinums you can easily heat set uh either an ebonite mm. or a plastic feed one thing to note though i think which is quite interesting is if you buy a uh yeah. nib those only come in the l size right which means that all of those if you buy from sailor uh sailor naginata nibs should fit on mm. yovo 6 housings right so with that being said, Jacob, your 18K nib, is it actually a bit bouncy? I would say it is, but I'm also wondering if that is because of years of use, because I don't know how old this nib is. Mm. We talked in the last episode about this this date stamp you have, which only gives you the last digits of the year. So you can't really right. tell how old it is uh, unless you know exactly you know when this model was made. So I don't know how old it is, but if it's... If it's been used for, you know, decades, then maybe it's gotten softer over time. I think I would date your pen to be around, mm. let's say, the 80s. Yeah, 80s, I think, is a, is a reasonable um, guess. So have you done any any shopping recently? Um, I have more than I should. Uh, I have more than I should. Um, so I... I'm getting into this uh, safety pen kind of, um, let's say, phase in my in my life. I bought two safety pens. And for those who are listening to the podcast who are unaware, um, safety pens are the first pens, I believe, with uh, retractable nibs. So the idea is that when, when, you know, pens were first made, they were all eyedropper pens because, you know, you... you dump in the ink into the body, and then you you go. The problem with those eyedropper pens is that um, because the sealing technology wasn't very advanced, they were uh, easily leakable. So what manufacturers did was that they made these pens where the threading was at the top of uh, or the very front Mm. of the section. So the entire barrel is kind of a section. And then you have obviously threads in the cap at the very top and the nib retracts into the body so when you cap the pen the section now it's nibless it presses up against the top of the cap and it seals the uh, the the pen and supposedly because the nib is always submerged in ink even when not in use you can use more let's say, um, fast drying inks, such as a pigmented ink, so cause right. less trouble. Some people even say that you can use India ink. I'm not going to try with my pens because, uh, because yeah, I'm, I'm right. not going to mess with that. But um, I got this uh, Mont Blanc Simplo number four, which is quite long. It's actually the size of a full-size pen. And... It's got this beautiful marbling that's going on. I bought this from uh, eBay, and it took about three to four weeks to arrive. So it seems that shipping into Japan is still uh, kind of running. But the problem with shipping now is that even though it works, let's say the parcel has to get on a commercial flight. In Japan right now, there are five to six commercial flights a day to very specific destinations. So 
if I send a package out to the US and we don't have any direct flights to the US, then my package gets set on another flight, let's say, I don't know, to, uh, to India or something. So it flies to India and then India flies to, to France and then from France to the UK and then the UK to the US. So it, it's making more mm. stops. And so, uh, so the, the shipping issue is, is still not uh, resolved, but I'm very lucky to have gotten this. It's a, it's a nice little pen. Yeah, you yeah, saw it yesterday, right? Yeah. yeah. It's got a nice little uh, nib on it. I did a quick um, restoration of this pen because it didn't come in perfect shape. Uh, but I'm starting to understand a bit those old collectors. I'm a bit hesitant about inking this guy Oh, yeah, that's very unlike you. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't inked it up yet. Um, also because I want to make sure mm. that it doesn't leak. So far, it's been, uh, it's been very good. I've just put water in it. But I have to say, where I differ from Bruno is uh, that I might get this lacquered. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that would be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, so that was the first one. The second one I got is a safety um, pen from Italy. It's from Italy, okay. So um, safety pens were quite common in the U.S. I think they were a mm. U.S. invention. Um, but they got really, really popular in Europe. Uh, funnily enough, so particularly uh, Waterman. So Moore also made some uh, some safety pens with a different design, but Waterman came out with these uh, safety pens and exported them into Europe, and they became this huge phenomenon. And particularly in Italy, they started to make these gold overlays for these Waterman um, safety pens, and so they're all these pens with beautiful and really intricate. Uh, overlays that that they they made they carve from uh, you know gold and silver uh, sometimes even sapphires they put like gemstones mm. on them uh, and they got really popular the one that I have is by a company called Columbus which uh, wasn't Waterman but is very Waterman-esque in terms of construction and design and this one I got from Letizia. So uh, I had to polish it up a bit after it came. But, you know, I think uh, when I showed you, you commented that it looks like it should be in some kind of a museum or something. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It it's, looks, like a, uh, yeah. it, it's not exactly your, your EDC pen. No, it's, it's like a Game of Thrones yeah. uh, pen. But, uh, but it's, it's quite nice. Um, unfortunately, the shopping didn't end there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Uh, I bought, uh, I found on um, Yahoo Auctions, as I do, uh, this, another uh, Pentanoto uh, Rialo. So this is the Honto no Hoshizora. Ah, I remember seeing that one on, on Yahoo Auctions. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a limited 50 pieces uh, yeah. run. And this is actually quite similar to the other one that we talked about a few weeks ago. But instead of being translucent, it's this kind of bright mm. uh, blue with these shimmers on it and uh, I don't know it's it, it's great it's beautiful so you're into <laughs> Sailor Rialos now it's safe to say I'm into Sailor Rialos I'm not sure what to do with the nib yet because it's a HM so you know um, either make it a Fude or, or, or something but I haven't decided yet but you know they're they're nice pens <laughs> I have a few <laughs> Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the shopping okay. doesn't end there. Um, 
I got the Kingdom Note uh, Kaoru. Oh, really? In. So oh, it's okay. not for me. It's, it's for somebody else. But as we mentioned last time, this uh, Kingdom Note Kaoru is, is quite mm. striking. Um, because the solid colors, although they contrast, they don't fight with each other, as some of the previous um, Kingdom Notes uh, tended to do. So this one was really pretty. But I think the star of the show is that... Uh, oh, by the way, when I get this pen from, from Kingdom Note, they included this tatami mat that you can put your ink bottles on. And that was a really nice touch. I remember seeing that from, from the, the, the product of photography that that, that was the, yep. the setup they used. That one, is, mm. it's really nice. But the ink itself, uh, I tried out the ink, and it's it's pretty it's pretty good. It's a good ink, Jacob. It's this tealish color um, with mm. with a lot of depth, and it's it's a nice. And ink. we said, and I think we said that before, but uh, Kingdom Notes Realos they are not exactly cheap, but but for a Realo they're not that expensive. No. Yes, exactly. So they are they're definitely much more affordable than some of even the mm. the pro gears that are coming out. Yeah, that's true actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um on top of that, Jacob, the shopping okay. doesn't end. Um remember I told you that I got a, a few pen BBS. I remember pens. seeing that, yes. Yeah, so so I've got them in now. The, the and, updated uh, three five five, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the updated three five five. First, I have to say that these updated 355s are really, really good. So if you go on Google, you go on FPN or something, mm. you'll find a post talking about um, 355 uh, bayonet filler. Mm. So that's a user-made um, modification to the 355 uh, that they kind of put these spokes around around the, um, the let's say, the, the rod so that it would mm. fit into... The, the washer better. Ah, yes. I've seen that, yeah. This is Pembiavis' take on that. And um, I have to say, it works phenomenally. So I have here with me right now, uh, in front of me, I have both the old one and the new one in front of me here. And mm. the old one, what happened is that usually the rod can get stuck in the piston and it would be very, very yes. difficult to, to remove. So the trick with yeah. the old one is that you couldn't or you were not supposed to screw the rod into the into the washer uh, mm. fully. But with the new one, because of the mechanism that they use, it's, it's quite ingenious in the sense that um, even when you screw in the piston, because there's a lock... In, yeah. in the in the washer itself connected to the, the piston connector, mm. it means that it doesn't, let's say, accidentally uh, engage or refuse to disengage. Right. The only difference, um, I think, in terms of the, let's say, the pen, is that the washer and the connector in the previous one was made of plastic. Mm. It made it hard to remove the connector from the pen because it was plastic and because it was kind of soft and it, it kind of you know was uh, was mm. screwed into the pen really tight but I don't know if you can hear it but this is me engaging the piston uh, in the yeah washer, I can definitely right? hear that so there's no sound of metal on metal now with the new one the, the connector is made of aluminum yes. can you hear this 
Yeah, so there's a metal on metal kind of a scraping sound, which takes some mm. time to get used to, but I don't necessarily dislike but so it. I remember when the original 355 came out, there was a big discussion about how they copied, you know, Koenig's filling system. And then the, the people said, no, the syringe filler has been around for a long time and PenBBS's version is different enough because of the way you, you, you lock the piston. So it's not actually a direct copy. But what the discussions I saw this time on FPN suggested that they are a bit more similar to the Conid now than last time. Would you say that's the case? I think the the Conid, um, I'm actually going to get one in uh, soon, fingers crossed. So, so I can tell you a bit more about that afterwards. But I think the Conid, um, yes, it's mm. definitely much more similar because it slots in certainly uh, a lot more mm. similarly but the conid one uh, it's it's not they're not like spokes right. that come out and that cross engage into into a, a mechanism it's more i can't really describe it. i'm mm. only looking at photos but it's more of this like uh, engaging mechanism that is built mm. into the washer that looks kind of like a screw but the screw is uh the threads are really mm. large and they're not really threads it's quite hard to explain but i would encourage everybody to look at um so there are pictures on the pencil yeah. case blog oh yeah so that uh yeah that that really shows uh shows what it looks like it's definitely much more similar. I wouldn't mm. say they're identical. But yeah, it sounds very promising that they fixed or improved on the filling system because I do remember the, the, the first iteration. I, I got one of the first ones and I remember that when you, when you push the piston rod back after filling, there was always this worry that you were going to have this spectacular explosion, right? So you really did not want yep. a pen with an opaque barrel because you couldn't see what was going on. But I think the different uh, the the problem goes beyond that because in the old one the washer locked into the mm. piston connector through right, friction right, yeah. fit, and that was problematic because in order to disengage something friction fit you kind of have to put a little yeah. bit of oomph, right? And that means you're going to get a lot of sudden spurts mm. of ink. Yeah, that's that too. Yeah. Yeah, and and then I'll, I remember a lot of people are saying. Oh, uh, let's see how long this uh, friction fit lasts in terms of longit longevity. The the pistons are not interchangeable though. Oh really? Okay. I I believe the threading is different. But uh, there are there are other parts of the pen that you that perhaps you you could um you could use reuse yeah. if need be. Certainly. And uh, you, you've been doing some uh, some nib uh, experiments as well, right? Yeah. I've been uh, inspired, let's say, by Annabelle uh, of the FPC mm. podcast, and she works at Applebaum. Uh, a few months ago, she showed some prototype nibs mm. that she had made. And there was one particular one that was made from copper that had this hammered right. metal look. And I really loved that look it's uh, it was so unique and i don't think you've seen this in the market you see it on um, on pen bodies but you don't really yeah. see it on nibs and so i decided to try it out so i made a sai nib for those of you who don't know sai nib is um my three tine flex nib um that i do on pilot custom 74s and 742s 
and I've made a hammered look version of the nib. Did you see this nib yesterday? No, I don't think I did. Okay, maybe I was uh, showing it to to Alessa only, but mm. um, the effect I, I achieved using a Dremel um, drilling in little dents all mm. across the nib and then smoothing it out and polishing it so it gets this kind of rocky effect. Um, this nib, uh, it, it's quite cool, and if there's enough demand, I might add it to uh, to my services for for those who might want to look for a hammered uh, look in their nibs. But would you say this uh, this this finish changed the behavior or the performance of the nib in any way? So I have a flat one, so so a clean one and a hammered one, and they perform very very similarly. Okay. Uh, because the the kind of dents that I'm making aren't actually that deep, so it's not affecting too much the the way that the pen writes. How long would this, would you say it takes you to, to do one of these uh, one of these finishes? Um, I don't want to give too much away, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's let's say um, not so difficult. the The main okay. difficulty is actually removing the nib imprints. Mm. Uh, but after they've been done, it's not super, super difficult to, to put in this hammered finish. Do you want one for your Nagilat? But perhaps like, it could be interesting. <laughs> but, but so what's interesting, what you said about the, the engraving. So given that it takes time for you to remove the, the imprint, does that mean mm -hmm. that a laser engraved nib would be less work for you? Yeah, that, that's definitely the case. And, um, I can also do let's say, uh, on dual-tone nibs by just doing the gold parts. Interesting. I completely missed yeah. it yesterday. That there were so many new pens and inks that I, I didn't see everything. <laughs> that's what happens when you don't yeah, see each other true. for two that's months, true. right? Speaking of uh, of yesterday, you got something from Oh, Bokunda. yes, yes. So I, I picked up my, my latest uh, Rushi pen from, from uh, Hiroko, and this is a Pilot Custom 742. In, uh, and it's pink. <laughs> it's a uh, shocking pink. Or actually, the color is called Botaniro in Japanese, and uh, it's a very unusual and striking color. So, the way this design happened was that I asked her if there was any particular you know, technique, anything she wanted to try. She, she sent me back a picture of a bowl full of, of uh, very bright Botaniro Rushi and said, I want to use that. And it's not exactly, you know, your <laughs> traditional Urushi color, but uh, I was intrigued. I said, sure, go ahead, do that. So um, so what she did was a pen in the Karanuri finish. So Karanuri is one of those four traditional Tsugaranuri uh, styles. Tsugaranuri right. is this style from uh, Aomori in Japan. And the style that she originally trained in and what, what she knows best. And Karanuri is this version where you have the speckled patterns. There are some variations of that, but basically you have some kind of base color and some speckled pattern. And in this case, you have the this uh, Botan Iro pink, and then you have these um, brown speckles. But there's also pink glitter on it too, because she used... Uh, so first she did a base layer in brown, and then she put... Um, pink aluminum powder on top and then on top of that she put this botaniro and then she, and then she sort of carved up these these speckles and then on top of that 
she sprinkled a little bit of uh, rodents here, these small rodent flakes. And then on the cap finial, they have this sort of rodent dome. Uh, so it's, it's a very striking, <laughs> striking design. And it's, uh, it's not something I would normally go for, to be honest, but I love what she did. And I love the fact that she's combining something very traditional, that is Karanuri, with something very unusual and, and um, uh, sort of experimental, which is this color choice. You saw it yesterday, right? Yeah, so I think that, you know, Jacob, you are an amazing, especially amazing product photographer. I have to say, this pen, while it looks beautiful in your photography, is even more striking in real life. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it is, it is. Because I think there's this depth um, to the continuity where I think she used aluminum yeah, powder exactly. this time too, right? Yeah, where the black, so you know how some inks, they halo black uh, mm. on the outline? It's exactly. kind of like that, but but like let's say this this really um, holographic detail that just it, it's so hard to get across uh, in pictures. But the, this pen is really interesting. The contrast between the the finial is also mm. I think great, and um, you know she's really pushing the boundaries of what. Uh, she usually does, especially with your pens, um, because they are uh, more experimental in nature. So you wouldn't be able to get this uh, as a custom order from Bookmondo. But, you know, if once you kind of work mm. with her a long time, uh, she's more willing to experiment uh, with uh, with these kind of wild, crazy yeah, finishes. But ahead. notice yeah. also, Jacob... Um, you didn't talk about the new signature. Ah, yes. So normally she, she writes kanji. This time she did a, just, just katakana hi, which looks uh, more modern. And I think it's, it's a perfect fit for this pen. Yeah, I, I really, really like it. Yeah. But, but yeah, going back to the, the glitter parts that are difficult to photograph. So that is caused by the fact that you have this uh, base layer of brown and then uh, aluminum powder on top. And then she did the uh, the pink layer on top and then she, she carved out these speckles and that's why each little this little brown spot has this glittery pink border which it looks very unusual yeah it's it's definitely um it's not a pen that i would expect particularly you to be holding because you work at a very uh traditional yeah. company <laughs> but um but it, it's quite uh striking for sure it's it a is, unique it piece is. So we have some news, yes. uh, Jacob. We have yet another Tono and Limbs online event. Yes, yeah, so this was the uh, the second... I think the, the, the way they phrased it was that this is the second half of their online spring event. And uh, hmm. the, uh, the main difference... So I, I didn't follow this one as close as I followed the previous one, but as far as I could tell... This one was more focused on glass pens. And they even had this, I think there may be new inks. They call this the crystal line of inks, where it even says clearly on a bottle, or at least on a packaging, it says this is ink for glass pens. I'm not sure if that means it's not usable in a fountain pen. If The event itself was definitely more focused on um, glass pens, I would say. Yeah, I, I think that event was significantly less interesting mm. um it's still organized terribly just like the previous one mm. um 
but I found myself less and less compelled to to follow them because it's just they make it just so difficult to follow along. <laughs> yeah. And couldn't wake up at nine o'clock on a, on a Saturday to switch into different, you know, Instagram accounts. You know, I'd, it, it's just too much of a mess for me. So I think mm. uh, I need to stave off of these uh, these events. I am looking forward to the next uh, actual, you know, brick and mortar event whenever that yes. happens. Because it, they, I mean, even though they were not the most well organized events. It was still fun. Yeah, these online events aren't quite the same thing. Yep. I mean, I appreciate that they're trying to make it work. I understand that, you know, this is something new for everyone. Um, and maybe they will get better at it. But I, I do miss the retail events. Speaking of retail events, though, um, we might have a retail event at the, at the end of the month with Wagner. Yes, so uh, once a year there's this uh, pen trading in Tokyo event. It has been organized by Morrison as far as I know for quite a while, but it's not It's not actually a Wagner event, or at least it predated the Wagner. So apparently in 2001 there was this online BBS forum kind of thing where some of the old timers gathered and discussed fountain pens and someone came up with the idea of having an event. This year is the 20th time, as far as I know, that is held. And of course, given the virus situation, we were all, all wondering whether it would happen or not. The latest update from Morrison is that it will happen as planned, but there's going to be a few things, a uh, few rules put in place to make sure that, you know, to, to minimize the risk of, of virus spreading. One is that it can be a maximum of 50 people in the actual ballroom or whatever it is. So they're going to give you cards. So, so they have 50 cards. And when you enter the room, you, you get the card. And when you leave, uh, you, you hand your card back. So that's how they're going to control the number of people. The other thing they do is that all the vendors are going to be given these face shields. Um, and on top of that, everyone, both the vendors and, and the attendees, need to... Uh, wear face masks and I think also you have to take the temperature in the morning and and um, probably going to be some kind of hand sanitizer as well so there's, mm. so there's a, a, a it's going to happen as as planned but but in a in a way that is meant to minimize risk of virus infections yeah so the event will happen in two weeks which yeah. means the next time we record we'll either have gone or not gone to the event that's true, yeah. So stay tuned for that because uh, because we'll report back. If it does happen, it's quite close to my house. I think I will go. Uh, I think I'll see you there too, right? If, if yeah, it happens, definitely. If it happens. Yes. Um, but if it doesn't, you know, we will see. Um, a bit skeptical, but yeah, it's it's it would be interesting. But given that if it happens, Jacob, do you think yeah. that we can have Inkanuma this year? The big question is if there's going to be a some kind of big uh, like second wave of infections mm. in Tokyo. If that does not happen, then I, I would expect Inkunuma to happen because you know what, what we all see here is that people are very eager to go back to to right. how things were before, and you see shops opening and so on. Yeah, and then Inkunuma was already divided into time slots into different days, That's and true, uh, yeah. and you could only so maybe they'll have more time slots. Uh, with less uh, products each time slot and limited mm. to the number of people, the the entrances. So 
we'll see. We'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, hopefully it does. I'm not confident that it will. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, because I remember last time, you know, as you as you as you entered the, 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 this this event hall, everyone was just running toward uh, Usagias and Kobayashi's mm-hmm. booths in particular because they had these small tummy bottles, and everyone who wanted these tummy bottles. But there was definitely yeah. no social distancing yeah. last time. They were they were fighting over these little bottles. So we'll see how that changes yeah. this year. And um, we have some uh, other other news. I didn't notice this before. I'm not sure if it's like news news, but Kingdom Note has a new collaboration. Uh, so it's okay. called the Shinkai um, with, they they say the Urushi group that's doing it is called Wajimaya Zenni. And they actually right. do quite a few pens, Wajimaya Zenni. I, I've seen them mm. in Tsutaya at Ginza 6 uh, with these really, really magnificent uh, Makie pens. Have you taken a look mm. at these? Uh, if it's what I think it is, it's the one that is based on Eboya, right? Yeah, so they're these um, Eboya Hakobunes mm. and the, the Makie of like these fish. Right, right. So what do you think of those? Yeah, they, they look they look beautiful. I can't remember what the price was. I imagine, given the the the, the base cost of an Eboya is already quite high, mm-hmm. and and the Wajima style of Urushi is considered the among best, right? you know the, the top ones in Japan, right? So I'm sure that this group knows how to charge for for their work. So I can't yeah. imagine these pants being cheap. It's a uh, three hundred fifty-two thousand Japanese yen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are stunning, but uh, I don't know. It's 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 a bit pricey, and mm. I I think these are really geared towards collectors. Um, yeah. But if you like makie and you like fish, these pens they are they're beautiful. They take they uh, are different. Yeah. They take bok nibs, so they're also fairly easy to swap out into whatever nibs that you like. I'm curious about the decision to to use an Eboy as a base pen. I understand that you know the traditionally many pens were you know Urushi over Ebonite, and I understand that perspective. But it's quite an expensive pen to to, to start from, right? It depends how they're collaborating. Uh, if they're buying from like a at a you know wholesale price, mm. but I think. Because Eboyas, I don't know if you noticed, they're very symmetrical. Yeah, it, it might be because they're so symmetrical, they're easier to, to paint on and work with. Because I'm looking at the Kingdom Note mail magazine, so they have this uh, mm. link, and they have these little drawings of, um, of how they plan to do the maquillage. And it's split into three different panels, or rather six panels, so three for the mm. barrel and three for the cap. And, and it seems like the the largeness of the pen and mm. the symmetry of the pen helps them plan this out and right. possibly makes it easier for them to to do it makes sense yeah makes sense so there's one more piece of news that i wanted to talk about which is uh, also wagner related um so earlier this week, um, Morrison announced um, a new Wagner pen. So this is a green platinum 3776 with uh, gold trims and with a C nib, so a coarse nib. Um, 
it's not actually it's not actually a Wagner pen, but it's a pen to commemorate the second anniversary of Morrison's fountain pen clinic in Mita. But that's sort of so close to Wagner that it's kind of hard hard to say <laughs> what is what. But yeah, it, it's not. It, it don't, I mean, the pen doesn't say Wagner, but, but it's effectively a Wagner pen, right? And this pen has been been planned for a while, and I first heard about it last autumn because the main the main selling point of this pen is the nib. So the pen looks kind of unremarkable. But if you look at the nib, the photos of the nib that, that Morrison has posted, you will see that there's this uh, you know, Wagner style engraving and it says BS, which is perhaps a bit um, unfortunate, <laughs> but th- there's a reason for that. So BS actually stands for Butleff shape. And Wait, sorry, what does it stand for? Batlef. So my knowledge of Star Trek is a bit limited, but I was told that Batlef or Batlef or however you pronounce it is the sword used by the Klingons. And it turns out that Morrison is um, quite a Star Trek fan, and there was a... he's a Trekkie. Yes, that seems to be the case. Yes. <laughs> the reason why he came up with the name was that basically he need, he needed a new name for, for this grind for reasons that may become more obvious later, but. Um, this will not be sold with a regular C-nib. So it will actually come with a custom grind. Actually, three custom grinds. So Butlef S, M, and B. And we can't say, or we're not supposed to say exactly what a grind is going to look like. And we're also not supposed to say who will do the grind. But let's just say that anyone who is interested in Asian calligraphy will be very interested in uh, these pens. Um, the the reason why the pens have uh, normal gold trims instead of rose gold trim, which is more common with Wagner pens, is that in order to do the grind they need to do, the, uh, if the, if you have a rose gold plated nib, plating may, may fall off because of the way you're going to do this mm. grind. So uh, it will be a somewhat unremarkable pen with a very interesting uh, nib grind. And it's going to be available in uh, August. And usually the way Morrison does this, he never explains <laughs> <laughs> that's well in advance but usually uh, there's a pre-sale for Wagner members for like one day or two and after that anyone who's interested can just email him and um, and place an order so he posted the um, he posted the picture on Instagram yes but his caption talks about a different pen but that's also the case with the blog. So, so he posted a, a blog post where, you know, the first two thirds of the blog was about um, the last few uh, Wagner 2020 pens are now gone. And so, so he had allowed um, Lichtop to sell them and, and now they're sold out. And then almost like a, like a PS in the end, here is exciting new information about the next pen I'm working on. So... I think the the the, the blue one, the, the carrot in the carrot in the nose one. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading his blog and it says he's reserved a few even for tips and a few for the pen trading. Yeah, originally he was he had also reserved a few for like I think Tainan Pen Show and for Seoul Pen Show, but right, right. I think they were both cancelled. Yeah. So so he he, uh, he started selling them again on his blog and now he he sold 20 of them through this Lichtop store, which is technically run by uh, Tomoko, but it's, he's kind of behind the scenes involved there. 
Yeah, uh, this this whole thing is uh it's wrapped in mystery. I know we're back in our um, Mori bashing uh, segment now, but I mean, I just wish he could write, you know, like like normal person. <laughs> I wish he, yeah. But it's interesting though. You mentioned something about the rose gold uh, yeah. plating because when we were talking with Alyssa from Inky Rocks, yeah. and she's you know she's she used to be super into jewelry. Yeah, she mentioned that in jewelry, pink gold is pink gold. It's not. It's not plated. Right. But on the blog, it says it specifically says pink gold plating. Yes. So, I wonder what's going on. I mean, do you think it could be just pink gold? Do you think that's possible? No, I don't think so. I think I think it's just plating. But what I'm not sure about is whether he's asking platinum to do it, or you know, there are some uh, Wagner members, including yeah. yeah, including Mart or someone who's doing these these platings. Because if that's the case, that then that would explain mm. why it's plated. Yeah, and speaking of Mart, did you see that uh, rose gold decimo that he did? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, if you go on his uh, his Instagram, he recently plated the entire trim of a of a decimal to be rose gold because there are no rose gold um, plating for caplices. So it's, right now it's the third um, picture in his Instagram. Ah, oh, yes. Actually, sorry. I, I, I thought Kakuno in my head. for This is a decimo. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that. And this was made for Kaho Bungo. Yeah, I, yeah. Saw, saw this. It's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean white white and rose gold is, is an excellent combination. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah, so definitely he's uh, he's cool. But sorry, going back again to to Wagner and Mr. Mori. Yeah. Um, And then also, I think... Relating to your Botan uh, Urushi pen, Mister yeah. Mori has also been um, experimenting with uh, with some neon colors. <laughs> yes, yeah. So he spent, I think, the, the last year. I mean, he has had a big project going on for the last year or so, right? So he commissioned a number of uh, brass pens from Fine Writing International. Mm. This year, cylinder shaped w- without any facets and. I'm not sure if it was originally the idea or if he came up with this later, but but he came up with this idea that he wanted to do his own coating or he, mm-hmm. he wanted to make some kind of antique look on yep. it. So he's been playing with various dangerous liquids and yep. things, various ways to make this look like antique, similar to actually what, what you've done <laughs> previously. Yeah, too. so actually, um, I, I don't think I talked to you about this, but he got the idea from looking at what I did. Because uh, because when Keiko went to see him after right. after I had done my my Atlantis mod, um, and he even wrote on on his uh, his blog, he said, you know, some random like uh, Gaijin foreigner guy has been uh, playing around with these uh, these uh, brass pens. Gave me an idea to kind of like and he he said, give it an antique finish. Yeah. Well, you know, it would be nice if he gave it an antique finish, but he he went off the deep end. Yeah, he did. And he tried. I mean, he's. I mean, if you look at his his blog for the last year, every second entry has been about the, the latest in his uh, in his long adventure. And uh, eventually, he came up with a way of doing this that that he was himself satisfied with. But but then for the last few weeks or so, he. 
suddenly decided that some of those pens should not have an antique finish, but they should have some kind of custom lacquer. Or actually, maybe it was first an antique finish, and then yeah. on top of that, some bright lacquer. So there was one in particular <laughs> that he posted that had these sort of rusty trims, but then there was a bright pink lacquer on top. Yeah, do you, do you know if he uses the... I think he uses spray lacquer. I think he said that. Yeah, he, I think he's doing that on his balcony. Or something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. But, uh, but yeah. he's, he's gone off the deep end with this one, guys. But I saw this one in the wild. Or I saw it uh, on some other uh, Instagram accounts. I think he's managed to sell at least one of them, perhaps. Yeah, which is, more uh, than... which is crazy to me. But, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then uh, I think the last thing... Or two two last things on our news segment. Well, we've gone really long, but um, yeah, the new manos. Did you see the new manyo inks? I saw that there were new inks. I didn't look at the colors. So, um, they're releasing these new manyo inks uh, again. Mm. Manyo inks are for outside export only, so we won't be receiving any of those. Um, mm. But from what I can tell, these colors are much more um, standard than what you had last time. Last time you had, uh, in particular, the Haha and mm. the Nekoyanegi, I think, were the were the really beautiful ones that people were yeah. looking for. This time, um, they have more Manyo inks based on different flowers. I think, in particular, I, I think I like the Sakura and the Nadeshko, I think, are really nice. Right. The Konagi is also very nice. The greens, I, I think, are a bit less remarkable um, than than the... Especially, I think, the Nadeshko is, is really beautiful. But we'll see how it goes. I think these will be popular um, outside of outside of Japan, too. And I think people in Japan will try to get them. Which might not be that hard, because I remember, was it last year? I think I, I think they were available at Okamothia. Yeah, at the Tono Limbs event. Yeah. I think Mr. Lim brought some. <laughs> that might be it. Yeah, from Korea. <laughs> yeah. And Alessa got, got a bottle of haha. Of course she did. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the last thing is, uh, have you been looking at Toma Penz's Instagram? I remember seeing one post about uh, some Kubo-inspired grind. Yeah. Is that what you meant? Yeah, yeah so he, he posted this picture, um, and Kub- Mr. Kubo does uh, four Tyne uh, music nibs. Mm. So he, he, inspired by Kubo, decided to also add um, cut, I would say cut-ins. So he has two extra breather holes, and he cut in the nib. I, I'm guessing that this will be quite flexible as a nib but what do you think about these uh these nibs so i wonder if it's it's a little bit like um like king eagle and king cobra in that people people want to try to recreate them because they're they're, they're so rare not because they're necessarily you know the ultimate writing experience so and and they do look pretty cool, right? And you you, you said that before, and I have to agree that they do look pretty cool. I remember trying one of Kubo-san's uh, nibs before. I wasn't super impressed by how it wrote, uh, so mm. I think there are more sort of collector's items. Yeah, and I, and I can understand why why you would 
definitely. you want to get one in your collection. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Looking at these nibs, they kind of remind me of these like you know cartoon character faces. Mm. Yeah, they're they're, they're cute, um, but as you say, <laughs> I'm not sure how um, you know they're, they're they're signature nibs, I guess. So yeah. they're not they're not something that you're gonna use in your daily life. Right. Yeah. And then uh, to our what was supposed to be our main segment, um, Jacob, we went somewhere yesterday. Uh, so Kakimori opened. Um, they reopened after the the lockdown. I think from June second, uh, and we went there yesterday. So they have this new system in place where you have to book in advance, and you have this one hour time slots, and it can be at most four people at any given time slot. And so this, uh, we and uh, and Koei went at the twelve around noon. It was a lot of fun. It's to, um, to to go back to, to Kakimori after after a long time. It was nice to see the, the other the pen friends, of course. Uh, it was I enjoyed it a lot. Um, for me, I, I mean, the reason why I wanted to go to Kakimori in particular was that I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to try their inks, so they have. Well, they have never sold inks for a while, but I think fairly recently they they switched to a line of pigmented inks that are made by Turner, a, like a paint company in Japan. And I've heard good things about these Turner-made um, pigmented inks from uh, our friends uh, Alessa and, and Quay and others. I was keen on trying them for myself, and of course the um, the um, the main selling point of uh, Kakimori's main selling point is that you can make your own notebook, right? So you go there and you choose your own paper. You, you can try, I think they have like say, eight different types of paper. You can, you can try them all, see which one you like. And then you choose, you know, uh, 30, 60, 90 sheets of your favorite paper. You choose your, your cover and your binding. Um, yeah, and then you, you give it to them and they, they take in, uh, in one hour later, you have your own custom notebook. Hmm. Um, I went there with intention of making my own, my own notebook, but then I realized that I, I've just started using this this plotter system techo. So I only really want paper for my system techo. So I went there and got some um, some bank paper from um, for my system techo. So I think I paid like two hundred yens for thirty or fifty sheets of uh, bank paper. This was B five size, I believe, which is fairly reasonable, I believe. What did you get? I didn't get anything. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, good. Um, I got one of those maps that they had for free, those really cool ones. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, but um, yeah, I tried the bank paper, the fool's paper, and the Tomoe mm. River paper. Um, I also tried this thing they called the comic paper, but it was, it was comically bad. But, that was uh, very surprisingly bad. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, awful with, with spread. But um, between the three, the comic, the, the fool, uh, sorry, the fool, the bank, and the Tomoe mm. River, um, I definitely understand why bank paper is much more popular in Asia because I think it dries much faster mm. and it, it absorbs the ink into the paper without uh, feathering. And it also has less show through. But I think color shows up brighter on Tomoe yeah. River and um, it was a good let's say experiment for me to reaffirm that I, I quite like and enjoy Tomoe River as a, as a paper. Did you ever try the, the Yupo papers or basically an alderfil? 
Yeah, I, I've tried Yupo papers before and I hated them, so I didn't even bother this time. It's like plastic um, rubbish. It's like writing on a receipt. Ink looks pretty interesting. I mean, it doesn't... Yeah, it has a very unique look, but, but you get a lot of shading and sheen on this paper, but it never dries, so it, it, it's uh, not the most um, practical paper. Um, but yeah, you talked about how bank paper is more popular. So they had this, we talked about, they have this um, little paper uh, testing area, right? And and, they, and for each paper, they had this little description. What is, what is the name of the paper? What, what is the history? And then, and then they said how good this paper is for fountain pen, for uh, ballpoint, and for pencils. So you had these little marks, yeah. like triangle for maybe not so good, circle for good, and then double circle for like fantastic, right? And Tommy River had a single circle. Both bank paper and OK Fools had had a double circle. So in, yeah. in their view, both are superior for fountain pens. Yeah, um, and I think that's mainly to do with the dry time, isn't it? So we can really see yeah. that uh, in this market, dry time is a is a huge factor. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, actually, actually, there was one more thing I got yeah. uh, as, as I was standing waiting to pay. I, I picked up this small uh, memo pad. So there's this company called Mas Masuya or Asaksa Masuya, and they make these uh, monokaki notebooks, which I think you don't like. But they also make these uh, Japanese uh, writing papers, so like Genko Yoshi. Mm -hmm. And here they also sold this new product, which is basically a a memo pad size version of their Genko Yoshi, so their mm. writing paper. And I, I bought it just because it kind of look, looked nice. It <laughs> can be a nice prop, I guess. But the paper is fantastic. I, I absolutely love it. I, I just tried it a little bit, but you get nice sheen. There, there's absolutely no no um, uh, feathering or, or bleed through, even with my uh, double broad uh, Mont Blanc nib. So I, I it was just like an impulse buy, and I, I was really happy with this paper. You know, we're not familiar to impulse buys at all. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens. But um, Jacob, I'm I'm curious to know though. You bought it in B5, right? And your plotter is what size? It's Bible size. It's Bible size, yes. So how does it fit in your plotter? I haven't looked at that yet because I haven't tried to cut it yet. But I'm assuming I'm going to have this. Um, I'm going to have some, some leftover paper that I can use for maybe ink samples or chromatography or whatever I choose to use this for. So, so it'll, it's going to be some waste for sure. So you're going to cut it by yourself, or are you going to um, you're going to get a machine to do it? I'm going to cut it by myself. I, I actually inspired by you. I got my own paper cutter and like hole punch. So I have the whole kit. Oh, you got the paper cutter too. Yes. Oh, man, I might need to get one of those. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah. I, I was wondering because they only had B-size paper. They didn't have A-size yeah. paper. And so I was hesitant about buying um, any paper that didn't fit because I don't have the cutter. Right. But but, but these cutters, I mean, the one I got probably isn't the most, the fanciest one, but I paid something like 2,000 yen for it on Amazon and it works. Yeah, I mean, as long as it works, we're not, you know, yeah. professional. But I see some on Yahoo Auctions that's like 8,000 yen for like industrial cutters. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're pretty, pretty big too, the, yeah. the, the serious ones. Well, I do have an extra room. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You can have your own little, little printing house. No, I would, uh, yeah. Somebody would not be very pleased with me. I but can imagine. I think what struck me the most about Kakimori 
is how mm. well the store is um is built and is thought yeah. out of. Uh, it it's very well designed, and as you pointed out to me when we met up, it seems like they had a renovation, because yeah. uh, from what I've seen in the past, this is actually my first time going to the main store of Kakimori, but the from what I've seen in the past, they used to be more like a like an actual workshop that they mm. opened up to the public. Now it's a full blown store. With yeah. uh, with really well merchandised um, products, uh, really nice, uh, you know, it's you can tell that it's not really for fountain pen lovers, but the people who run it love fountain pens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there were all of these uh, different kinds of products, and they had um, they had a letterpress there too. So I'm wondering if they would take uh, say custom um, requests for you know business cards or, or whatever mm. uh, that that could be interesting it could be something that I, I look into as well um but i noticed something that i was really drawn to were their their letters their envelopes oh they, they were very pretty yes. yeah so i might get some of those in the future if i need to write uh some letters and they're quite close to where i live so fortunately for me yeah, and as you mentioned, it's very it's very well curated. So they don't it's it's not they don't have that many products. It, it's not like you know you go into Don Quixote and you're overwhelmed by uh, shelves of tightly packed yep. stuff, right? It's 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 uh, very tasteful. There's a carefully selected, uh, interesting products, and almost everything is is actually interesting. So it's a very dangerous place to go. Yeah, to. they had these uh, Tetsubo um, regular pens. So standard pens that are uh, the gel right. pens that took um, I think four C and G two refills mm. um, that they looked really really beautiful, but yeah. they the Tetsubo, um holders the the nib holders, I think they got a bit cheaper. Really? Yeah, they, yeah. I remember at at the Tokyo Pen Show they 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 were a bit expensive. Yeah, my memory was thirty thousand yen, mm. but when I saw them yesterday, I saw twenty thousand yen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So might need to get one for myself. If you have to get a ballpen, yeah. Yeah. Um, or a nip holder. Do like those. That's true. That's true. So going to the Q and A this week, we have uh, we have an interesting question. Um, so we are asked, what does the Jap- Japanese fountain pen scene think about the huge demand? For the Japanese specialty nibs, um, what do you think? I'm not entirely sure. I agree with the premise of the question because I'm not sure if there is a huge man. Obviously, in our circles, there are definitely enthusiasts that really like you know the uh, the Naginatas and Fudes and Concords and Cross Points and so on. Um, I get the impression that they're selling more of those in Asia and I don't think that these Japanese nibs are nearly as popular as grinds like Halleck and, and stuff so I'm not sure they are that popular and I think that um, I think there's a huge Asian market but I'm not sure there's a big uh, Western market what, what, what do you think? Um, I think there are two parts to, to this question mm. or two ways that I want to answer it. first I don't think um Japanese I don't think the Japanese fountain pen scene thinks about the western scene like it it's not in their heads 
Right. So they're not. Oh, this is really popular in uh, whatever. Um, they don't really think that. So I think, in a sense, the there's not too much. Uh, they, there's not like a sense that oh, they're fetishizing um, uh, these items. On the other hand, I, I think that if anything, they think oh, of course they would love the naginata. Why wouldn't they?、Mm. I think that's more of the attitude.、Um, the second is, as you said. I think the main demand is in Hong Kong and Taiwan, yeah, where we know a lot of、uh, high-dollar、um, collectors、yeah. are really into, especially、um, naginatas, chasing all sorts of naginatas、um, to to really up the demand, and even I think、um, regular fountain pen users in Japan. I would say that ninety five percent of them have never tried writing with an aginata nib before. That that sounds quite possible. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, the most popular grind is、uh, FM. So, the demand, the let's say perceived demand,、mm. is a result of the lack of supply because there was only Nagahara who is.、Uh, Really grinding until he got his assistants to help him、uh, grind the naginata. I think it's it's more、mm. marketing, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that there is a huge amount of thought dedicated to to that. Yeah, I think the the main thing would be that if there are Japanese、uh, collectors that that、uh, complain about the competition that they face on Yahoo auctions, but I think that might be, as you say, equally、uh, Hong Kong and Taiwan, maybe even more. Yeah, for sure, for sure.、Um, you know, I have noticed though、uh, a lot of Western、um, enthusiasts are now trying to grind their own. Yeah. I'm seeing now, even just a few minutes ago, Taminur Studio from、um, from Instagram. He he's made his、uh, his own naginata like、um, grind, which、uh, is, is quite interesting. I think for me personally, to see uh, this uh, evolution of、um, or this、uh, increase of interest in these grinds,、mm. and I, I think it will be one of the biggest grinds this year. So one thing I find interesting about this is that you know going back to our our、um, our favorite topic, Morrison, he wrote recently on a blog post that even though he's been doing nib grind for you know decades, he admits that, admits that he cannot do a naginata toge. He has tried,、uh, but he cannot do naginata toge. He has his own grind that's called、um, nata toge, which is not quite the same. But he admits, you know, I, I I tried, I can't make it. So, if someone with this much experience cannot make it, it, it must be <laughs> difficult, I guess. What do you think about the ones that I I do for you? I'm not sure if I can fully appreciate the naginata toge.、Mm. I mean, I I use them as a rounded. Uh, architect and <laughs> and in that sense they are perfect for me. I I love writing with them, and but I but I don't write you know Japanese calligraphy with them.、Mm, yeah, because I I was having a conversation with somebody else, and、um, I think you know we've we've mentioned this in the past, but with the naginata,、uh, every grinder's take on it is different. Yeah, including f- 
within Sailor, right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. So, and even even the same person yeah. over time. So I think it's it's quite hard to say you can or cannot do it. Mm. Um, I, I think that it's, you know, what is, how, how can it be defined yeah. like that? Uh, that? That's something that I, I hesitate a bit. I think there are ones that write well and ones that don't. Um, but each grinder has a, has a different take on it. So I know, for example, um, Masayama has his take on it, um, mm. which I think uh, Nagahara respects as well. Yeah. And and uh, I, I was talking to this person. He said, uh, yeah, he had a look at Masayama's uh, grind and said, yeah, that's how Mike Masayama does it. And, uh, and that's uh, perfect, um, the way that Mike does it. It probably helps that, that Masayama has been able to, to train with Nagahara Sr. and with Kawaguchi as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so that's that's been episode seven. Thank you again so much for listening to the podcast. We really, really, really appreciate you. And we've got a lot of um, really positive feedback in regards to our uh, our show so far. If you have your own feedback for us, um, feel free to contact uh, me at Tokyo Station Pens uh, on Instagram. You can send me a direct message. Uh, you can leave. You can send me an email at Tokyo Station Pens at gmail um, And Jacob, can they contact you through your website? Yes, yeah, the same thing. I have a I have a contact form on my website, foodafan.com. Yep. So we want to continue to hear from you. Uh, you, the listeners, really give us a lot of um, motivation and a lot of great feedback that we work off of. So thank you very, very much. Um, hopefully you will tell a friend, um, tell a family member, tell somebody you know at work who likes, uh, who likes pens um, and help us grow our audience and, uh, and grow our reach. Uh, until next time then, uh, which will be about the pen trading event if it happens yeah. uh we'll see you around my name is cy you can find me at tokyo station pens on instagram or at tokyostationpens.com and my name is jacob and i'm foodafan on instagram and i have a blog at foodafan.com and we'll see you next time Bye-bye. bye bye